I'm a big fan of learning about self-development and productivity. I don't always necessarily implement the methods I learn about, but learning how to make the most of my body, brain, and environment to work smarter is exciting for me. In my self-development research, the theme of focusing one's efforts has repeatedly popped up. In his book, The Power of Habit, Charles Duhigg talks about keystone habits, practices that have an outsized positive impact on one's life. The Pareto Principle states that 80% of the outcome comes from only 20% of the work. My interest in productivity extends to social justice considerations. I think insights from psychology regarding efficiency can help activists become more effective in their work of making the world a better place. Given how social and political structures can serve to both help or hurt people, focusing energy towards implementing laws that foster human flourishing can positively benefit huge numbers of people. Today, I talked to Ingrid Delgado, a policy advisor who works, among other things, on labor issues. If you don't already, I encourage you to learn who your representatives are and make your voice heard when it comes to legislation that impacts the well-being of workers. I'm Anna Nowak, and this is All Who Labor. Ingrid Delgado is a policy advisor in the Office of Domestic Social Development for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. She previously worked as an associate director for the Florida Conference of Catholic Bishops, as well as in youth outreach and refugee resettlement programs for Catholic charities of Central Florida. Her volunteer experience has included youth ministry and catechesis, living in the Dominican Republic as a missionary, and serving on the boards of Hogar Crea International's Florida chapter, the Florida Pregnancy Care Network, and Floridians for Alternatives to the Death Penalty. Ingrid, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So first things first, uh, what is the Office of Domestic Social Development for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops? Great question. So the Catholic bishops policy work, number one, at the state level usually happens through state Catholic conferences. And as you mentioned in my introduction, I had the privilege of working for the Florida Catholic Conference for eight years. And so when we are talking about federal policy, that happens through, you know, the USCCB's policy offices. And so we actually split up into a few different offices. So we have colleagues who are experts on, let's say, pro-life policy. We have experts on, you know, religious liberty or immigration and things like that. And so my office actually falls under justice, peace and human development. Right. And so we have colleagues under that who work on international policy. We also have the ad hoc committee against racism that falls under that. And then you have our office, the Office of Domestic Social Development. And so we specialize in analyzing domestic policy issues that, you know, covers a lot of things that covers criminal justice, but also covers a lot of issues that overlap with labor, right? So we specifically look at labor policy, but also access to healthcare, access to, you know, affordable housing, nutrition, hunger, things like that. So you are a policy advisor. The work that your office does, does that mostly focus on legislation and advocating for specific policies? What's included? Yeah. So kind of where I specialize in the colleagues of domestic social uh, development specialized is looking at federal legislation. And so we're analyzing it through that perspective of Catholic social teaching. And then usually 
what will happen is that we have, so each of those policy offices that I described has a bishop chairman and a committee of bishops. And so they, you know, oversee and, and guide our work. So for example, if we're going to publicly weigh in, if the USCCB is going to publicly weigh in on a bill to support it or to oppose it, that chairman will write a letter to Congress and sign it. And so another office that I didn't mention earlier is government relations, right? So then our colleagues in government relations specialize in creating relationships with elected officials, right? Members of Congress. And so that's who will go and, and have meetings and circulate those letters, letting them know where the bishops stand on, on these um, issues. Every once in a while, you'll see letters that have multiple chairmen sign on because there are lots of, you know, legislation that will actually overlap lots of these different policy offices. Could you give an example of what the Sea Judge Act methodology would look like when you are trying to advocate for a piece of legislation? Sure. So especially, you know, with judge, right? I think that's where a lot of, of our my office's work happens, right? So based on what has been written before through encyclicals, or through, you know, pastoral letters from the USCCB, we get to analyze what's being put forth by Congress and, and how that kind of aligns or does it with Catholic social teaching. And then the act is that, right? You know, writing a letter, circulating a letter to Congress. And, and it's not just our office or the bishop or our, you know, colleagues in government relations that do this. There are, you know, also opportunities through our action alerts, right, where Catholics in the pews can also send, you know, an email to their elected officials about the, you know, the different positions that, that we're taking. There are opportunities, for example, at like the Catholic social ministry gathering. We just had one a couple of months ago, right? You were there. That's where you and I met, <laughs> where there were, you know, hundreds of Catholics who came and part of the four-day conference was having a Hill Day and advocating on issues that, you know, have to do with domestic policy, one on uh, international policy and one on, on migration policy. And so kind of going back to the C piece, right? I think it's what the popes see in the community, right? Or what our bishops have seen in the community that then informs the documents that our office uses in order to go into the judge and act pieces. Gotcha. In a previous episode on the show, we talked a little bit about the difference between official Catholic social teaching from you know, the magisterium and unofficial Catholic social teaching, maybe lay written texts or thought. Does your office draw specifically on the official Catholic social teaching? Um, and are there any other sources that you draw inspiration from? Yeah, good question. So, of course, you know, so, so let's go into official first, right? So things like laborum exertions, gaudium et spes, those are, you know, documents that we've been pulling from to this day, right? When we're talking about worker justice, when we're talking about economic justice, right? Where, you know, the core principle is that work should support the family, right? And if it doesn't, then work in the economy needs to be changed in order for them to support the family, right? But we also draw from U.S. bishop documents, such as, you know, economic justice for all, putting children and families first. And again, these are documents that we're quoting to this day. Just to give one example, you know, we are talking about access to affordable childcare. Just in October, there was a letter sent to Congress calling for radical solidarity to use Saint, uh, Pope John Paul II's words, right? Radical solidarity with women and children and families, right? 
And so in that document, we call for access to affordable childcare, right? Because that's definitely a challenge for, for working families. I know it. I have three children of my own. And it's, it's you know, childcare is really, really expensive. And I'll mention one more document, Open Wide Our Hearts, is a pretty recent document addressing racism. And in it, there are moments that it does talk about employment disparities and income disparities for people of color. You mentioned... Um the calls to action of the laity to get involved in speaking to their Congress people. Is there an educational aspect that your office also does to make people aware of these social documents? Great question. So our office really is more focused on policy. That's kind of our role. That's our expertise. You know, we definitely have colleagues who focus more on education pieces and actually much earlier when we talked about justice, peace, and human development, I did not mention our colleagues in education and outreach, right? So that's who kind of has developed the Civilize It campaign, right? Which is just this very basic call for people to disagree without being disagreeable, right? We can be civilized even when we have different perspectives about what good public policy should look like. And so just last week, my colleagues in education and outreach and you know, my office in domestic social development, we just finished a 15 hour course partnered with the National Catholic Association for Diocesan Directors of Hispanic Ministry. So NACADEM, we'll call it by the acronym, <laughs> is giving out this certificate. But my colleagues and I presented this 15 hour program throughout five days about Catholic social teaching. And this was more kind of a train the trainer program, certificate program. So it wasn't like the 101 necessarily to the average people in the pew. So this was more like diocesan directors of Hispanic ministry and other leaders so that they can train the trainers and kind of have just more Catholic social teaching leaders, you know, at the diocesan level, at the parish level, at the regional level where they do both. Right. So there's the education piece the charity piece and also the justice piece. So they had an opportunity to meet as a region on day five to talk about what does it look like for their region, right? How can they increase awareness and education of Catholic social teaching locally? But how does that call them also to advocacy opportunities and justice opportunities? Sure. Shifting more to COVID, what specific issues or COVID-related issues did your office see spring up maybe for the first time or just in exaggerated forms uh, from what you've seen before? And how how did you deal with that? What what did you learn? Is there something that your team will take going forward after or maybe during <laughs> this time? <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll preface it by saying that I wasn't at the USCCB until summer of 2021. So I hadn't been around for a lot of the front end stuff. But but I'll tell you what what I know is that I think it's what we all know, right? That COVID exacerbated labor disparities, racial disparities that already existed, right? And so a lot of the advocacy work that the bishops have been doing, right, for a century continued, right? Maybe with a different urgency, obviously, because of the pandemic, but there was still obviously a call for access to, you know, affordable housing, access to nutrition, and I'll, I think that one really important piece of legislation, and we're still working on it, 
is the earned income tax credit and the child tax credit, right? So there are different estimates around it, but some of the reports say that because of the child tax credit, it pulled 30% of children out of poverty, right? Because families were able to just afford utility bills, rent bills, food bills, things like that. And now that the child tax credit payments have been discontinued, we're now seeing a sharp increase in, in poverty again. So even though, again, the pandemic highlighted things and exacerbated things that we already knew and that we were already working on. Now we continue to work on those things. And so actually at the Catholic social ministry gathering, right, the domestic policy issue that our Catholics um, advocated on was improving the child tax credit. Hmm. What is the child tax credit? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you may recall that, um, families were receiving like a monthly check during COVID. And actually there were parents, there were families that were eligible for it and just didn't know that they were eligible or didn't know how to apply. So there was actually a gap there too, but basically it was pulling taxes that they maybe would have received as a refund, right. In the following year. And they got them as monthly payments so that they could meet basic bills, right? So they, again, they were paying for, for food and, and, and rent or mortgages and utility bills and things like that. And so there was also the earned income tax credit, which is similar, but for people without, for workers without children. You mentioned earlier the importance of labor supporting the family. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Sure. And I, I'd like to maybe point you to what I keep, or our colleagues and I keep calling the radical solidarity letter, right? So this letter that was sent to Congress in October highlights just many, many ways that we can improve supporting working families. And again, it's a lot of these issues that I consider to highlight, right? Access to affordable housing, access to nutrition, the child tax credit. And so, you know, if our society isn't fully supporting working families, then we, we need to do better, right? And impacting policy change is an important way to do that. You seem very passionate about these issues. <laughs> what, what motivates you? Where, where does this passion come from? Yeah, great question. Thank you. So I'm actually, I'm the daughter of Cuban immigrants. Mm. My father was a political prisoner for 14 years. My grandmother was a school principal in Cuba. And when she refused to denounce her Catholic faith, she lost her job. My mother was one of like the highest scoring students in her graduating class in high school. And she was not allowed to study what she wanted to study because she was a Catholic, right? And so my, my family's, I'm getting emotional, Anna. Uh, my family's faith was so important that they were willing to, to risk and lose everything. Um, and here I have such a privilege to do both, right. Where I get to maintain my faith and represent my faith and work for my faith and in a democratic process. And really just this work has been such a, such a privilege and honor. I've been doing it for 10 years for, for the Florida Catholic conference now for the USCCB. Um, and so I am definitely very passionate about it, but I hope that other Catholics can be as well, right? It's not just us, you know, at the USCCB that are called to do this public policy work. All of us are called to create just societies. Okay, last last question might relate. Uh, 
to <laughs> what we just talked about or might not. It's totally fine. Um, could you tell me a story about a notable moment that has occurred in your work life? Um, it could be good or bad if you want it to be. And it can be at the current job that you have now, but it doesn't have to be. One recent one that comes to mind is, again, the Catholic Social Ministry gathering from earlier this year. I had such a privilege to moderate a plenary presentation with Archbishop Gustavo Garcia Sierra and COPS Metro. And so COPS Metro is an organization that has uh, received support from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development for local organizing. And the topic for that plenary wasn't on labor. It was on gun violence, right? Mm -hmm. But just seeing the relationship that the Archbishop and and Josephine from Cops Metro, just the relationship that they have, the trust that they have, how closely they work together and collaborate was really, really encouraging, right? And so I just, you know, would like to, to highlight the really, really good work of the Catholic Campaign for Human Development that, you know, even though my expertise in my office, you know, really works on public policy, the Catholic bishops, the Catholic church are also, you know, really supportive of, you know, anti-poverty work, labor, you know, that includes labor justice work kind of at the local level and at the organizing level. Right. Wonderful. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. All Who Labor is recorded in the Fordham Light Center. A special thanks to Fordham Center on Religion and Culture for their support in the creation of this project. If you want to learn more about Catholics, COVID, and labor, make sure to subscribe for future episodes and check out at all.who.labor.pod on Instagram and at allwholabor on Twitter. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the previous ones, feel free to leave a rating or review. Thanks for listening.